welcome everyone to this very uh, special interview we're going to be doing for the Fake Nerd Podcast. Interview special series. We do these every now and then when we uh, want to spotlight some people. Uh, this time we're spotlighting the creators of Kaiju Ramen Magazine, a new magazine uh, out that is just about all things kaiju. If you don't know what kaiju are, giant monsters. There you go. Um, uh, we're joined today. Obviously, you got the whole crew with us, uh, but we're also joined that way. Uh, we're also joined by uh, Michael Hamilton and Travis Alexander, the creators of the Kaiju Ramen Magazine and podcasters uh, yourselves. Yes, yes we are. It's yeah. a pleasure to be here with you fellas. Uh, we've been Thank looking forward coming. to it. Yeah, really excited. Thank you so much for coming. So what we t- uh, why don't you guys talk a little bit about what Kaiju Ramen is? Travis, this is, this is your baby, technically, so <laughs> go ahead. All right. Uh, Kaiju Ramen is a digital magazine. Um, we're we're looking into doing um, printed, like short run printed ones are like uh, maybe 50 that people can order. But but it's mainly a digital magazine uh, that is focused on uh, giant monsters and giant monster movies and the creative and interesting fans of those movies. OK, um, so. You also are podcasters. Do you want to talk a bit about your podcast as well? Uh, yeah, sure. Well, I'll, I'll uh, talk about Kaiju Weekly. Um, Kaiju Weekly is our weekly giant monster movie review podcast where we talk about all the giant monster movies from around the world. Um, we pride ourselves on being approachable to people who are new to the genre um, as well as longtime fans. And uh, we like to just talk about fun things and celebrate and and not take ourselves too seriously um so yeah Speak that's for yourself travis i mean come on yeah like we're, we're we're the most serious podcast on the internet except for these guys i mean come on of course yeah so serious that's why uh majority of our podcast lately has been uh dedicated to giant yeti nipples um <laughs> Oh boy! So here we go. That's a we're running. Not, we're not bringing that up here. No, <laughs> that's, a, that's a running thing in our podcast. Um, yeah. So we we have a lot of fun uh, doing that, and uh, Michael's my co-host there, but he also has his own podcast uh, that's separate. Um, so Michael, I'll let you talk about that. I do. I uh, on the internet, at least, my moniker is Michael the Kaiju Groupie, uh, and it started out as a Facebook group, and then I was like, "Well, I kind of want to get into podcasting." So my show, the Kaiju Groupie Podcast, is essentially I reach out to fans from around this great community, and I like to sit down and just have long form one on one conversations with folks. Um, kind of dig a little bit deeper as to why they love this genre so much is and i think that was a void that needed to be filled um after uh the unfortunate uh ending of the kaiju apostle podcast and because it was inspired it was inspired by them and they're building a bridge episodes david is a very good friend of ours very good friend of the podcast um and i it stems from just me wanting to talk to people about this genre and about this about these interests because you know growing up i was the only godzilla fan in my little small town so at least that's how it felt to me so yeah. i never really got the opportunity to sit down and have these conversations with with other fans that are just as enthusiastic about this genre as me and so i've had the opportunity to talk with great people like frankie washington who is a fantastic artist lisa knapziger uh henry at the, uh it came from Monster Movie Podcast, who's working on his own giant monster-related thing, uh, Apex. Um, 
And I've not been super active over the last couple of months simply because I've been moving and just uh, the holiday season. But I plan on coming back to that possibly in February. Uh, I'm looking at a number of uh, people that I want to sit down and just have conversations with. And really, that's what it is. It's just me having conversations with fans. There's really no agenda. There's no rhyme. I really don't even make notes for my episodes. I just turn the turn the uh, turn the recorder on, turn the microphones on and just whatever comes out, comes out. Like I, one of my favorite conversations so far has been with uh, my friend, Mr. Danny DeManna at the Godzilla Novelization Project. Uh, that conversation was so long, it needed to be broken up into two parts because we just could not shut up. Um, uh, and yeah, I just have a lot of fun doing it. And I've had a lot of fun with uh, Kaiju Weekly. Kaiju Weekly is how I got started podcasting and I got and I caught the bug, much like all of us, I, I imagine. So yeah, it's a great medium for just meeting people and yeah, just having great conversations about the stuff we love. Uh, yeah, you, you mentioned that's what's awesome about the internet. Um, I grew up in Texas, right? So like, I also thought I was the only super nerd in my community. And then right. you know, somewhere like LA, and then there's a lot more of them. And then I get to meet people like Brandon and, and Ben and Sparks, and we can do this podcast for this a community of people talking about the shit that they love. And that's what's so sure. good about the internet. Because really, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, we couldn't do this. It just right. comic book convention. So it's no, really yeah. not that. You had to wait once a year to go see a friend at a, at a conference that lives half mm -hmm. the country away. Uh, and now I can phone up my friends in wherever, Indiana, uh, Los Angeles, wherever they, wherever they are in the world, I can just phone them up and say, hey, you want to comp on my podcast and have an open, and I hope, yeah, getting tongue-tied, have an open conversation for, uh, for an audience. And they're like, usually they're like, sure. You know, yeah. Yeah. And I grew up in, in Mississippi and, uh, you know, that I'm, same situation. I'm like, no one around here cares about nerdy things. Uh, my dad did, uh, but, you know, he's not around anymore. So it's like I didn't have anybody to talk to. And I decided, you know what, I'm going to do a podcast so I can talk to people about these things. And uh, yeah. And, and for me, uh, and it's a little bit different for uh, than than Michael because uh, I am a huge comic book fan. On top of uh, being a giant monster fan, so like I'm into so many different things and so many fandoms that having the outlet of podcasting and now the magazine and everything to be able to talk to people and and uh, really share that passion, it's great. It's absolutely great. The realization yeah. that Sparks liked Godzilla was a uh, game changer for me as a kid. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, that's so true because prior to that, I think you and I both had the mutual experience of like, I talked to the one guy at Suncoast who always held the Godzilla film that was coming out on VHS for me. <laughs> and that was right. that was the extent of it. Um, so I have a uh, digital, I have the digital copy of Kaiju Ramen in front of me right here. Um, so let's just get into the magazine itself. Um, you guys decided you wanted to start a magazine. Can you just can you go through uh, what how that started? Travis, this is again, this is your brain fart. So go ahead. <laughs> yeah. Um, so uh, I, my brain works kind of like a freight train. Uh, when I get onto something, I'm going. And uh, Michael was was kind enough to jump on the ride because <laughs> like it's like either you 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 jump on the train with me or you move out of my way. <laughs> and he jumped on the train with me. But no, we um we saw in the community uh, the the giant specifically the giant monster community where people were upset 
with a specific magazine that's a fan magazine um not gonna name it no name and shame um, yeah <laughs> okay um but uh throwing some shade yeah it's some of the things that they were that they were doing some of the articles that they were putting out really wasn't reflecting well on the community at large mm-hmm. and people were upset by that and I, I told michael i said you know now now would be a good time if we wanted to do something you know that's more focused on the the fans and less on the uh putting out these weird articles about the movies and stuff like that that the g fan was doing and so uh we just started doing research on you know what's involved in doing a, a magazine a fan magazine and it blossomed from there so that's yeah. that's really how we got started yeah and I, and I say that joking i said g fan jokingly but i full disclosure i love g fan i'm still a subscriber to g fan like there is some good content there and kaiji ramen was not meant to be a rebuke of g fan it was just we felt that there was a void in the fandom that needed to be filled like there is room for like in history there has in history been several different fandom magazines at, at one time so um we saw that kaiju ramen could fill a void in the sense that it could be more community focused than what g fan has turned into uh with things like artist alley which is a huge deal if you go to g fest artist alley is a huge deal uh where they feature different artists and i think in issue one we got to work with uh we got to celebrate kaiju hime who is a wonderful human being wonderful artist um and there's going to be more of those people coming down the pipeline but we wanted kaiju ramen to be very community focused now there will be there are currently uh very news and science and history related stuff in there uh, and there will be stuff like that in the future but for the most part this this project is going to be very is for the fans by the fans as cheesy and as hokey as that sounds it really is the heartbeat behind it um because we saw a need and um at first, I'll be honest, uh, when we when we first started getting gaining traction within the community, I thought, ah, are they just are they are they just supporting us because they hate G fan or they really love the project? Yeah. Uh, but after talking with people that have actually read the magazine, uh, they it actually seems like it's it's not it's more like they actually legitimately think the project is a good idea, mm-hmm. not that they hate something so bad that they're willing to support something else, which makes us feel much better about what we're trying to accomplish right and again like with 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 fandoms and again like 21st century technology like every type of fandom has a community so like people are looking for other people who like the same shit that they do so like whether it is them stumbling on you or them trying to find something that's not another magazine they still found you and they still like you because you're giving them the stuff that they want Uh, i think that's i think it's great again like the internet is it's crazy we're talking about a magazine but it's it's like a, <laughs> I think it's amazing. Like we've come so we've come so far just in entertainment. I think yeah. we've come full circle. I think I think it's a full circle thing because there for a while, like in the early two thousand in the early two thousands, that's when blogging really took off, mm-hmm. and everything was digital. Like everything was digital. Now you're seeing things. Now you're seeing companies and or, and organizations put out more tangible materials. And I think that the whole like this whole media genre of magazines, online zines, blogs, whatever what have you, has sort of come full circle where they love like people love blogs people love online zines but they also like that tangible part of it too and that's what we wanted to offer with this first round of fun with this first round of the magazine and eventually we will 
the hope is it's not it's going to be for a while. I will say that the hope is to do a fully printed magazine quarterly. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. but for right now, it's more cost effective. And I, and I hate to, I hate to use that word because it's very businessy, but it's like it's much more cost effective in the moment to do an online digital magazine than it is to um, be obligated to do printed copies every quarter. So hopefully if we get enough backers, if we get enough subscribers and if people love the project that much, we will eventually offer uh, printed copies, even if it is just a limited run printed copy, like a, for like a, a, there's this many copies, pre-order it now. Once they're gone, they're gone kind of situation. A lot, a lot of, um, like, cause we're all being in the comic books and stuff. There's a yeah. lot of like graphic novels that do that. They're mm-hmm. like, Hey, like we're trying to kickstart just the graphic novel and you get it when it's done. And like, it's not like a big commitment. Like it's like, you are directly helping the people. So I think right. like, yeah, like, I think doing something like that, it's like, hey, who wants to buy it? Like, you'll get it. Like, just pre-order mm-hmm. it. I think that's, I think that's a, a good idea. Yeah, it's like, for example, uh, going back to in the comic book realm, the Kickstarter that just popped up uh, a few weeks ago with the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers stuff. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so I plan on being a backer for that. And not that, not that the franchise needs it, not that Hasbro needs that money. I mean, they could produce all that stuff. But my theory is they just wanted the fa- they wanted the fandom to be more involved with that process. Yeah. Uh, and if we get some limited edition, once in a lifetime editions of these comics out of it, then then so be it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Boom has found a lot of success with uh, doing these Kickstarters. Berserker, the new Keanu Reeves mm-hmm. comic, was kickstarted as well. That's what I heard. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Boom, uh, Boom is such a. Um, even though they they're growing, they are a small publisher still, so yeah. it does help to kind of have that uh, community support. So I, yeah, I totally understand why they do that. And I, me as a comic book fan, and knowing all of this, when we decided to do the magazine, actually, you know, sat down and decided to do it, uh, I took a lot of inspiration from you know comic book creators and stuff that do Kickstarter and everything because uh, I had experience backing them. Uh, seeing what they did and how they succeeded and stuff. And so that's what we used when we were doing the magazine. Yeah, it, the whole project was inspired. If I'm not, if I'm, if I'm incorrect, Travis, I know you'll correct me, but Wizard Magazine, am I right? Yeah. That's what it was very, uh, yeah. Inspired by. As far as like the, the, the style that the magazine's going for, we really wanted, I was heavily inspired by Wizard Magazine because, you know, growing up, we, again, we talk about, you know, being isolated from other fans. Wizard Magazine is like your one connection to the fandom at large. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> You know, Ben, I was going to say, this reminds me a lot of Old School Gamer Magazine. <laughs> yeah, it does. <laughs> uh, old School Gamer Magazine, that's a magazine that I write freelance for, but um, I they have a printed aspect and they also have a blogging aspect. I write for mm-hmm. the blogging side right. because the printed, ma- cause the printed magazine, because you guys want to come out quarterly, they come out bi-monthly. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the way you guys are talking, because I found out about the magazine when i went to a convention and i talked to him i looked into him and then i was like and then i was like you know what, maybe i want to try and so i reached out and submitted some stuff and all of a sudden it's like yeah we want you to write for the website i'm like cool yeah <laughs> yeah i mean that's that's how that's how we're doing the magazine now as far mm-hmm. as like people submitting we we have it open to anybody who wants to submit a pitch um for an article and uh yeah we we listen and read and and, t- and consider everyone's and and so far we haven't denied anybody's pitch because everybody has turned in really great ones uh right. so yeah yeah eventually we're gonna have to i mean we're gonna have to break some hearts eventually but you know, <laughs> yeah that's sort of the nature of the project 
but well there's know. one i got just a uh, uh, earlier just a little bit ago that i might have to deny um just because i don't know about the guy who sent it to me um uh, wink wink he's on here <laughs> <laughs> i was gonna say there are two people on this on this panel so far who have pitched to you guys well, yeah, that's true. I, I forgot about your, yeah, but Brandon, you, yours is already accepted because I have you on the schedule for, uh, for a future issue. But yeah, the one that, the one that was submitted today, I, I haven't had a chance to really look at it yet, but because, uh, getting set up for this. But <laughs> if, if I may, what's so cool, uh, about the fact that you can, that you've opened the, uh, the, 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 submissions uh to like anybody is like the community i've never written about kaiju before i have a blog on our website fignerpodcast.com where i talk about movies mostly sometimes comics but never kaiju and i never had the opportunity and then i saw this i was like i'm gonna give it a shot because i've always wanted to and it kind of gives you the opportunity like i love kaiju i've never had the opportunity to write about kaiju before and it kind of like uh, it was just really nice to finally have that opportunity to to be able to put those into words. Well, it's more niche. Yeah. Uh, it's more of a niche market than even like in even within nerd culture. It is mud. It's a lot. It's very niche. Like, yeah, it's yeah. Very niche. We are niche inside of a niche group. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, more power to you. That's if you want to if you want to try your hand at it. We would more than we would more than happily welcome. Uh, more giant monster tokusatsu related things from from anyone at this point because we're just trying to we're just trying to find a good core group of writers that we can depend on and that doesn't mean that we're going to just rely on those specific writers but you know we are looking for that core group of like that those great writers that will show up consistently throughout the magazines uh throughout future issues so yeah yeah and one of the great things about um being open to submissions from everybody and 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 being willing to accept submissions from everybody is uh the one thing that i love about fandoms is that there's a lot of diversity mm-hmm. in, in the people and stuff and and uh that's one thing that the magazine gets to celebrate is the diverse people because you have people from all different backgrounds all different walks of life sending in the the submissions and talking about what giant monster movies meant to them uh how they celebrate these movies in their own unique way uh and their creative way and so i think that's that's one of the things that we we said we wanted the magazine to be more community focused because we felt like again not not meaning to throw shade at g fan but that's one of the things that we felt like they kind of lost that they they're not really celebrating the fandom as much as they are the movies and we decided to focus on the fans right that's why you have an article up up there on the the top of your 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 cover page says from film snob to fanboy uh yeah yeah Uh, yeah, it was written by our very good friend uh, Eric Neely at the Monsters vs. Men podcast. And if you guys are familiar with that show, it's the it Eric um Eric is known for being the film snob, a part, the film snob half of that show. Mm-hmm. Uh he loves very high art, very highbrow movies. He prefers the term cinephile, but uh, everybody else refers to him as the film snob. <laughs> film snob, and you know, as, it's interesting because as he has progressed 
through watching, like starting with the Godzilla franchise and Toho and all that, he has he has slowly, I want to say, has become more of a fanboy than even Alex, his co-host, who was who started out as the actual fanboy for the franchise. And so he penned an article. Uh, I think he shopped it around to a few places that didn't seem too interested in it. So I said, hey, man, how about you give it to us and we'll try to do something with it because I, it's a good article. It's a good write-up. And it tells a story of someone. It tells the side of a story for someone that we don't necessarily get to hear in, in genres. You don't get to hear the story of someone who came in with with little to zero knowledge of a fandom or genre slowly evolve into an actual fan of that genre. Like that's a really interesting story to tell to us. And I thought it was important to share that article in the first issue because that's really, in a a sense, that's really what the magazine's about. It's just, it's building on, it's building upon fans that are already exist, that already exist. And then trying to make new fans out of this genre that we love so much. Yeah, Yeah. And that really was one of my favorite articles for this first issue, because it was just a beautifully written piece that Eric uh, submitted. And uh, yeah, and like Michael was saying, it's really interesting to see the growth of someone who not only wasn't a fan of the same things that we were fans of, but who really didn't have a lot of respect for it. You know, he, he came from the place that a lot of people come from. And I know that since this is, this isn't a giant monster podcast, this is for, you know, uh, all kinds of people into nerd culture. So some people who listen to this might even feel this way, but that giant monster movies, Oh, you know, they're just, they're dumb. They, the guys in rubber suits, knocking over cardboard buildings, things like that. And that's kind of where Eric was coming from. And, then Alex, his his uh, his co-host, got him to do the podcast with him, and he started going through all of the giant monster movies in order, starting with Gojira, the original Godzilla movie. And he has come to just absolutely love it and has learned to appreciate them and learned the themes, the art and everything that's in them. And so getting to tell that story, getting to share that story with people, I think uh, was meant something to him and also meant something to us because it's like look these things are respectable and if you give them a shot maybe you'll be like eric (laughs) it just sort of justifies uh it just sort of justifies all the hate that you get as a as a kid like for liking certain genres right Mm -hmm. it's like you grew up and you grew up as the nerdy kid in school uh, I like to say that, you know, liking Godzilla and Tokusatsu didn't get me a whole lot of dates in high school. Uh, but it was it is something that I did suppress over the years just because I didn't think, you know, people would think I was cool because of it. And then in my in my later years, I basically just said, screw it. I mean, who like who the hell cares what people think of you? Yeah, like, you like what you, you love, what you love. I mean, that's that's really what it comes down to. You love what you love. And as long as you're not doing it to hurt somebody, as long as you're not, you know, weaponizing it to to demean or diminish someone else, I mean, then love what you love, right? I mean, it's uh, that is the uh, the mission statement of this podcast you just mm-hmm. you just talked about right there. Yeah, because yeah. yeah, I remember, um, I, I think all of us, all uh, how many of us are there? Six of us? Yeah. All, no. Yeah, all six yeah. of us. I can't do math for some reason. All <laughs> six of us kind of went through that thing because I remember when I was a kid. Uh, when I actually did my when my first girlfriend and I actually did started dating, uh, she would call my house and I would mute my TV because I was playing Final Fantasy twelve. Oh, and I've that, been there. Like, t- like so we'd be on the phone, my game is on mute, and I'm just like leveling up my characters 
but I didn't tell her what I was doing because I was scared that she was going to find out that I liked that type of video game. I'll, hey, do you one, I'll do you one better, Ben. And every time my friends would come up, like every time my buddies would come over, like I, this was middle school, like high school age. Mm-hmm. Uh, every time my buddies would come over, I would have to scramble and hide all my Godzilla tapes and all my Ultraman stuff and all this, all this other stuff that they would, that I thought in my mind that uh, they would make fun of me for. But I was a bit too immature to just think to myself, well, you know what? It's who I am. Just embrace it. Right. Yeah. Just, just out of, embrace it. Out of curiosity, Michael, do you have any siblings? I have an older brother and an older sister. Uh, okay. They are, uh, I am the only child. I am the only child of my parents. Both my parents, like I have, a, I have a half sister and a half brother. It's complicated. I know. Okay. Uh, the, but they, the, were, they were much the older way. than me. Say that again. I'm sorry. No, I'm the same way. I have a, I'm the only child from my parents. Right. So they were much older than me. So technically I was an only child growing up Mm -hmm. uh, because I was the only child that lived there at the home. So I owe a lot of my fandom to my parents. Okay. Uh, Did did your siblings, did your siblings ever get, um, come to you and try to host like an intervention was like, uh, be like, Hey, you like all this nerdy stuff. That's not good. You can't like this stuff. Cause my brother, my younger brother and his friends once did that for me. No, not quite at at that level, but I will say that um, there was a time period where my sister still lived at home with us. I was very young. I was like maybe eight or something like that. I was still pretty young. And so anytime her friends would come over, I was not allowed to come out of my room and I was not, and I was not allowed to watch monster movies while I was in my room because she didn't want her friends hearing all the screeching and the, and the roars and, and the cheesy dialogue. She didn't want her friends hearing that. So I was very restricted when my sisters, my friends would come over. I don't think I've ever had a intervention try to uh, be performed on me, but uh, I mean, I guess my sister probably could have done that if she, if she thought it was that, if that, if it was that big of a problem. You know, that's, that brings up a a question I want to ask. Like we've talked about it on our podcast, like a bunch, like, monsters are cool like (laughs) giant monsters are radical giant robots are radical right how come everyone else in the world loves giant kaiju except america why do why do americans fear pacific rim and godzilla and all these dope movies and like i don't why 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 do they not connect for americans when like the avengers work and they they're they're fight giant monsters like i don't i don't get it just the avengers are just as silly as godzilla Exactly. You know, it's only been within the last 10 years since the the Marvel Cinematic Universe that the superhero movies have started to get treated with a little bit more respect by by the mainstream. Because, I mean, I grew up in a time period where the idea of superhero movies was dumb and silly and majority of people would not have been interested in that and then now my grandma knows who rocket raccoon is and it's like i didn't know who rocket raccoon was (laughs) until the movie so it's just like yeah nerd culture is changing it's becoming mainstream and uh giant monsters is one of i won't say the only one but one of the ones that still hasn't really broken into the mainstream here in america but it's mm-hmm. just here in America, as Ryan said, like mm-hmm. the entirety of the rest of the world are, are all on board, had been for decades. And we're just like, mm, monsters. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I, mm, I don't want that at all. No. Yeah. It not America, but it makes all the money overseas. And I'm like, right. did you guys see the same movie I saw? What's happening here? Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. So well, and to be fair, it isn't just America. It, it, um, a lot of Europe isn't big on giant monsters either. Yeah. Um, 
UK is not big on Jive. They're just now really starting to, you know, be more mainstream in UK as well. Um, and a big part of what's changing people's minds is the availability of a lot of things because, you know, back in a, a in the 90s you couldn't get a lot of the giant monster movies you couldn't get godzilla movies just at a regular video store you had to go to a specialty store to get them and so it was just kind of like this little secret thing it's kind of the way anime was for a long time because you had to go to a specialty store to get anime at a certain point now anime is becoming more mainstream because it's the availability is there and people are getting exposed to it so I, i i think it's changes on the horizon it's just that yeah we, we're still in that in that space and i'm wondering if it has anything to do with um as you, as i was listening to you guys talk i was wondering if it has anything to do with our like our cultural mythology and by that i mean um a lot of asian countries like japan china you know and all and some of those other countries have a very rich history of giant monsters in their mythology in their culture so i'm wondering if that has a huge part to play in it because we don't have that in america i mean we have uh very we have other things historically that we look up to and we idolize where you know captain america iron man and things of that nature more i can see where that resonates more excuse me with um with american audiences where over in asia um those places have a very rich history of giant monsters and mythology and things of that nature. Even in Europe, Europe has, you know, a history of dragons and, and some of that mythology, but not, I want to say it's not necessarily as rich though, as even in like Japan and China and someone out there who knows the, the history of those, of those places could probably correct me. But mm-hmm. from my perspective, you know, just living in the United States, I just don't think that we have that rich history of, of that kind of mythology here. And I think that plays a huge part in it. That's a very, it's uh, it, just so. on that note, like it's very much a, you can compare giant monster films to the Transformers franchise. Mm-hmm. And that appeals to Americans and Europeans in a big because way. Because the military. Because it's militaristic <laughs> and it's all based in technology. And yeah. that's the mythology right. that's around. But I think it's all those elements. I think it's that. Yeah. I think it's I think it's availability. And I also think that uh, this is something that I was talking to a professor at college about just uh, last year was about, we were talking about dub representations uh in the 70s into the 80s and the 90s here in america and like the early godzilla dubs the reason why um when criterion just did their re-release they went back and redubbed them is because it's not so much that the translations were so bad in all the cases but they were made to sound silly they were made to sound cartoonish and comical because they wanted to make foreigners specifically asian foreigners at the time they wanted to make them seem silly yeah that was the marketing capability and so that that in itself tones down the seriousness of the monster films it makes the whole thing seem like a goof uh, because why, why the, the dubs are... i'm sorry i, I cut yeah. you off i didn't mean to um no, it's why the dub the criterion dub for son of godzilla sounds so weird because yeah. you can tell that a lot more work you can tell a lot more work went into that dub but me being a fan i kind of miss that old cheesy dub from the 19 from the 1960s right yeah. that's what i yeah. that's what i grew up with that's what i cut my teeth on and right. i can see your point as to where like for american audiences they would want something a little bit more professional we'll say that and see I, the reason I, I bring the question up is because the last Godzilla movie, I think, has one of the best trailers ever made. Regardless of the quality of the movie, 
I think the marketing for that last Godzilla movie was great. And I think if there was ever a time for a Godzilla movie to hit, you know, in end game territory, like that was the time and it didn't. So like, mm -hmm. I, I worry about American monster movies going forward. Uh, you know, cause Toho's doing their own thing soon. Like I just, I don't think we like them. I think what's going to happen in America is we're going to go back to the place where uh, we're not going to have main, the big budget mainstream giant monster movies. I don't think we're going to have uh, any more Pacific Rims. I don't think we're going to have uh, very many MonsterVerse movies, you know, type things like that. I think yeah. we're going to go back to where you had Cloverfield, which was a, a kind of an independent project. And, colossal. And, yeah, and Colossal and, and things like that. Um, so which on one hand, I'm all for because I'm all for independent giant monster movies. Some of those are the most creative and interesting, but at the same time, it is, it's still not reaching the wider audience. Cause again, it's still going back to that availability thing. Indie films are not as available. Um, one example recently, and I don't think it's an actual independent film, but it's close enough to an independent film, but that's love and monsters. Yes. Um, yeah. And, yeah, it and, was by Paramount, so it's not independent. But yeah, it's, it's not it independent, but it was it was a low budget, so it was small, and it wasn't really pushed very hard. Um, and so, like mainstream audiences are not seeing it; it's not getting the exposure. But my, like, it was a great movie. Right. yeah and so i'm like you know we're probably gonna go back to that route um which is fine uh and breeds more creativity but at the same time it is a shame that you're not going to get the exposure yeah i, I want the big budget hollywood blockbuster giant monster movie because to me that would just justify everything that i grew up with like yeah. see i told you these things were good i could turn yeah. to my buddies and say look i grew up with this stuff as a kid and I loved it then. And I love it now. It's, I was talking with a, um, I was talking with a friend of mine, Henry, and he used to teach over in Korea, uh, to a group and to a group of students. And the story he likes to tell that it really, uh, resonated with me when I talked to him was, uh, they, he showed, he showed a clip, he showed a clip from, uh, Godzilla King of the Monsters, the 2019 movie. Mm -hmm. And then he showed the movie from 1964, Ghidorah, the three headed monster. And I believe the way the story goes, Henry, if you're listening to this, you can correct me. Um, the way the story goes, one of the students came up to him and says, teacher, is this what you see when you watch these giant monster movies? He's like, yes, I've all, this is what I've, this is, he said, this is what I've always seen. Mm -hmm. And I think that resonates with a lot of fans who love this genre is we don't see like, yes, we see the cheesiness. We see the rubber suits. We see the, we see the, the, the hammy acting. Yes, we see those things. But we look past those things and we can enjoy those things just as much in that form as we can with a big budget monster movie. And, and I think for a lot of people like myself, I would love a big budget monster movie like Godzilla versus Kong. I would love it to be successful because that would just justify all the decades of me loving this thing because, because yeah. I want other people to love this thing as much as I love this thing. And I know that that was probably the way a lot of Marvel fans felt when the Marvel cinematic universe came around and it's, and it started really taking off. So I can see that perspective of, of someone who has been a long time Marvel fan, like grew up with, like grew up reading the original comic books and being made fun of for it. And now growing up as an older adult, like seeing the success of these films and thinking to the him or herself, see, I told you that this franchise was good.
And it only yeah. took like 30 to, it only took 30 to 40 years for you guys to figure it out. Yeah. yeah. That's what I was, I was going to use that as an example because, um, uh, Again, I'm a big comic book fan, and one of my favorite comic book characters and has been for a long time is Black Panther. Mm-hmm. I love Black Panther. And for years upon years as a kid, I'm like, Black Panther could be in a movie. Black Panther could have his own movie, you know, and it would be it, it would be awesome. It would be great. He could be a great, you know, and that was before we had Captain America and Iron Man, all that like back when there was only the 1989 Batman. And I'm mm-hmm. like, Black Panther would be great. Black Panther would be great. And none of my friends, you know, knew who Black Panther was. None of them were comic book fans. And so they're like, you're crazy and then the marvel movies start coming out i'm like see see there you know you can have a great so black panther needs to do it and and for the and i don't know if you guys remember but there was a long period of time where people like fans like me were demanding a black panther movie and kevin feige at marvel was like oh well maybe it'll be down the line maybe it'll happen at some point um and that was mostly because of stuff going on behind the scenes but just well, I, it was it was Ike who was like, yeah, "No, Ike. we can't have a movie with a Black Panther party." Yeah, yeah, yeah. We can't. No, Ike Perlmutter, and yeah, that's a whole other conversation. But <laughs> it's one that felt like no one would go see a black superhero. That was that was his big thing. Mm-hmm. It's like, but I was always on the side of like, I you just telling my friends, just wait, just wait till you see Black Panther in a movie. He's gonna be awesome. And then of course Captain America Civil War comes out, and all my friends go and see it, and they love Black Panther, they love the movie Black Panther. And I'm like, see, it's like it's like what Michael was saying, it's the justification of like, yes, this thing I've been a fan of all this time and telling you guys how great it is, now you can see how great it is. Yeah, I <laughs> I think in a in a very similar vein to what what we're discussing, like because we're in this Congress Godzilla trailer just came out moment. Um, it, I want that movie to have been successful because I want the MonsterVerse to keep going because I like the independent creativity, but I also want the big blockbuster stuff. Mm-hmm. I want them to hit the MCU level because I want them to have the freedom to do the big blockbuster stuff, but create the new in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, know i one of the reasons i like skull island so much is because you get things like the skull crawlers and and creatures like that and i'm like that's where i want i want us to be inducting new kaiju introducing new concepts and ideas but in that big blockbuster way that's that's the dream is to see it look that good but also do these new things i'm with you on kong skull island because objectively speaking kong skull island is probably the best movie we've gotten out of the monsterverse so far yeah oh yeah objectively speaking that is probably the best movie the best yeah. it's it's the best shot it's the best it's got the it's got a beautiful color palette i'm an art director by day so i pay attention to the color grading and things like that and but i will say that king of the monsters is probably the most fun movie we've gotten out of the monster verse mm-hmm. so far like, i love 2014 like i do i I, de- I really really love 2014 like i almost cried the first time i saw 2014 because it was like finally a decent got a decent american godzilla movie and um but there's just something about King of the Monsters, man. You got like it, it, it brings in so many Easter eggs from a, from my childhood that I grew up with knowing about, like, you know, the Oxygen Destroyer, the Mothra Twins, the, the, the Ifakube music. I mean, all of it was just this perfect concoction of just eight year old, eight year old Michael was screaming in the theater in not literally screaming, but screaming inside in the theater, um, while watching King of the Monsters because I, I was pointing out like all the little Easter eggs like I knew of as a child. 
And it was really upsetting that that movie didn't do very well. But my theory behind that is, one, monster movies, I, they've not hit their stride in the United States yet. Um, and two, it's, it was, that movie was made as a love letter to the fandom, not necessarily the general audience. Right. Whereas yeah. Kong attracted a more general audience because it, you know, let's face it in, in the United States, Kong sells more tickets than Godzilla. Godzilla well, is a very Asian property. Well, even, yeah. uh, Godzilla 2014 did better, uh, to mm -hmm. American audiences because it also tried to be like, Hey, general audience, this is what a Godzilla movie could be. Mm -hmm. like, you know, well, it's, yeah, it's, not, Brian, yeah. it's not just that. Like the thematically speaking, Godzilla 2014 is, is very relevant to American sensibilities as well as Japanese sensibilities. Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's not a, it's not a wholly Americanized product. It is trying to keep that Japanese origin as best it can. Um, you know, I, I often lump it in there with films like Shin Godzilla or GMK or the original Godzilla, because they're yeah. thematically relevant to the time period it was made in. Mm -hmm. showing the general audience that this is what a Godzilla could be. Unfortunately, the general audience is kind of like, I'm good. <laughs> I, I agree with, I agree with what Ryan said earlier though, that it's, it's very shocking and, and disheartening in a way to see the Godzilla King of the Monsters marketing. I, I can't imagine Kaiju movie being more hype, honestly, yeah. like, like even the Kong versus Godzilla trailer. I'm like, yeah, that's really enjoyable. That's not the kind of thing that I think would like nail into the general audience. Like this is a, those those King of the Monster trailers, they were really pulling at like we could get everybody into this, right? And they didn't show up. No. Yeah, uh, yeah, they really tried. Um, yeah, they just the people aren't the people in America just aren't ready for it. I think I think it's yeah. going to take some more time. Uh, but would you say that your kids are going to love it? Oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> the future quote. Yep. Maybe I would say that you know if 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 I'm lucky enough to have children someday. Uh, maybe my kids will say, Oh, like dad, we're going to go watch this new Godzilla movie. And like, it's so awesome. And there's this whole universe centered around Godzilla. And there's this big excitement around it, similar to what we're seeing with Marvel now. And, uh, and I'm sitting there in my armchair thinking, yep, I've been a fan since the nineties. So yeah. <laughs> you pull out your collection of possibly like the, every single Godzilla film on Blu-ray or whatever the heck they're going to have in the future and be like, Oh yeah. Well, like, Japan, Japan is going to go forward with a shared universe of monster movies of their own. So we'll see how that goes. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I don't think I'm more optimistic than a lot of people in the community where I don't think Godzilla versus Kong is going to be the last one. Mm -hmm. It really will depend on how successful it is, though. Like, yeah. I'm trying to be I'm trying to kind of quell my expectations for it a little bit, because it's like, even though I'm super hyped up for what I saw with the trailer today, like I'm trying to look at it from a general audience's perspective because that's who's the butt that's whose butts need to go and be in the seats in the theater and be willing to stream it on uh, HBO Max. I mean that's and that's really what matters at this point. It's not necessarily the fan base because I don't yeah. think we're not a big enough fan base to carry a movie like that. It's gonna have to have some kind of general appear appeal. Yeah. Again, because like the, the Marvel movies, like comic book fans aren't making those billion dollar movies. That's just families who are going to go see a cool action movie. Yeah. Happens right. in a comic book well, and like a, a great example is I've got I got my fiance to go see Kong Skull Island, but I've never gotten her to see either of the two Godzilla films in that yeah. monster. Yeah. Yo, Sam Jackson's not in either of those. I'm just saying. 
Yeah, well, my yeah. grandpa's the same way. My grandpa is like has no time for Godzilla movies, but loves Kong, and so he will watch anything with Kong in it. And so I'm like, well, like, what's the difference? Kong is a giant ape, and Godzilla is a giant reptile. Whatever. <laughs> well, <laughs> but Kong's but, but, building like that's yeah. American. Right? Well, it, it's like, it's the fact that Kong Kong we talked about before. Kong has a longer mythology in America because yeah. of the 1933 film being so damn successful. Mm-hmm. The, yeah. Even the 1970 film with Jeff Bridges was really successful and spawned its own sequel that's god awful. And, and then 2005. 2005 yeah. is the best remake of the entire franchise. And and I know a lot of people like to harp on Kong because it's like oh we're just we're just rehashing the same old thing over and over and over. But uh, it's a it's a weird thing that they keep going back to the well with Kong. And it still mm-hmm. remains successful. And it's something yeah. that I don't understand why. Like I because to me, like Godzilla has such a rich history of mm-hmm. all, all this stuff they can pull from, but they keep going back to the well with the same old tropes with the Kong franchise. It, and it's funny to it. look at it. It's funny to look at it because Godzilla has 35 movies to date. Mm-hmm. Kong has like six. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. yeah yeah but, but yeah i think you're right that that uh kong has a has a i mean it's the closest to an american mythology that we have you know yeah. the, we have the comic book characters and we have uh king kong um i mean i was a kid growing up and went to universal studios uh down in florida and got to go on the confrontation ride which was you know the old uh, king kong ride that no longer exists um but yeah it just it is one of those things but um brandon you you mentioned about you know kids uh just with that back to the future quote and i think that's something that's that's going to make a huge impact on giant monster movies in the future is the kids who are growing up now watching them because Mm -hmm. they are the ones who in the future are going to be like hey yeah we want the big budget movies we want these and and they're going to fill those seats at the theaters that are not being filled by their parents who are not interested in giant monsters we have for the magazine going back to the magazine we have uh someone who is a big supporter of our podcast of our magazine and everything who is 11 years old and he just loves giant monsters and he's so excited to, you know, read the magazine and, and listen to podcasts about them and everything. And so it's like, he's the type of fan that we're reaching out to now is mm-hmm. the type of fan that is like, yeah, you're young. You're lo- keep loving these things and keep, you know, grow up loving these things and, you know, make them popular, make them popular in the mainstream. Yeah, his, his name is Alex. So Alex, if you listen to the fake nerd podcast, you and your dad, here's your shout out. Yeah. Again, like, again, like we didn't have podcasts to listen to when we were eleven about Godzilla. Like, oh, that's, nice. that's so cool. Good for good for that little guy. I love it. Yeah, um, yeah. So I, I do want to go back to the magazine uh, for a bit. Um, this is a great conversation. Just analyzing kaiju movies. I love it. Um, but you have in the in the magazines a couple of sections. You have a new section, obviously, and some uh, things like that. Um, one of the things that I really like about your magazine is that you have a section where you just list the things that have come out in the last year with kaiju films or kaiju comics yeah that was um something again going back to the inspiration being wizard magazine um you know i there weren't really any comic book shops around me where i was growing up um the closest one was like a long ways away so whenever i would pick up my wizard magazine that's how i found out about you know, the newest comic books that were coming out and the newest things that were happening. So we kind of wanted to do something similar, even though the internet is a thing now, (laughs) which it wasn't when I was a kid. Um, And uh, they, 
now people can get online and look at the stuff. I still, I wanted to take a, have a place to kind of bring all of the little bits of information that's all across the internet together. So you have one source where that you can look at and be like, Oh yeah. So that came out, you know, last month, this came out last month, this is coming out in two months. Yeah. So that, that's really where that came from. Well, I think what's really important is that, you know, there are all this on this list. So there's four movies on this list. Uh, it's love and monsters tremors. I, I don't know if I consider Tremors a kaiju movie, but I'll accept it. It is. It is. Um, Tremors is a kaiju movie. Is <laughs> we Clifford have so kaiju, kaiju movie. movies in America that we have to take the ones that we get. We have to take it. <laughs> there's there's Monster Hunter, but then you also have an obscure one, Howl from the from Beyond the Fog. Yes. And I think that is great that you listed there because that is a movie that a lot of people don't know about, a lot of people have not heard about, and the fact that that people are going to look at that and say like, oh, what's that? And they're going to discover it. Yeah, I lobbied yeah. for Conga TNT to be on the list, but he wouldn't let me. <laughs> that one hasn't come out yet, has it? It's uh, uh, yes. Yeah, you can get the Blu-ray now. Oh, it can. Okay, I I didn't know if it come out yet or not. Yeah, that one I'm not super super thrilled about, but I'm not above putting it on the list. I just forgot that it had come out already. How <laughs> uh, beyond the fog? How from beyond the fog? That's a uh, that's a South Korean film, correct? No, yeah. it's, it's Japanese. Is it Japanese? I thought it was. I thought he was right because I, in full disclosure, I have not seen it yet. Like I ordered the Blu-ray the other day. Finally, I just ordered. I just went and ordered the Blu-ray. It's not come yet. So, Uh, but I have heard that it is a wonderful, wonderful film. Short, nothing but great things. Yeah, it's short. It's only like thirty-five minutes, something like that. Short film. Um, It is. It is Japanese. Um, It the guy who designed the monster uh suit for this movie he has worked on mothra on varan on a bunch mm-hmm. of other uh toho properties mm-hmm. um so if you're a fan of like godzilla and stuff he's worked it within that space um the very unique thing about this and what's really gotten me is the entire movie is done there's no live human actors in it they're all puppets it's a very old way of doing it's old japanese theater style Mm -hmm. where they have these puppets and they're very lifelike um but they but it's all it's all puppetry and it is just it's a beautiful film it's very unique it's something you cannot get anywhere else like like there's no other film like it and i am a big proponent of like yes check it out if you want something different something unique check it out (laughs) I'm into it. Um, you also have a COVID section in the, yes. in the first issue where you talk, where you get a lot of people in the community talking about how COVID has impacted their lives as far yes. as the community goes. Um, I think that's a really great thing to include in something like this, being impacted by this uh, this pandemic as we have and how mm-hmm. things have changed and how uh, fandom has changed even and mm-hmm. how you engage it. Um, I just think that's really cool that you, that you reached out to people and they just talk about, you know, this is how COVID affects me right now. Yeah, the, that article was written by our friend uh, Chris McDonald of Gargantua Cast. Yeah. And uh, I, we were really, really happy that he was willing to do that for us because it's topical. It, you know, people are always thinking about COVID now. I mean, everything we do is dictated on what the new stats and the new science behind COVID is, right? And then this like, podcast you know, has changed dramatically because of COVID. Right, exactly. Yeah. And so, you know, a lot of the podcasts that we've, you know, had the pleasure of going on have changed dramatically because of COVID. Like, honestly, I became a podcaster because I was just desperate to talk to somebody because of COVID. And, um, you know, 
one thing that I would love to do in a future issue in sort of a, in sort of a vein of COVID. And I want to do something that has something to do with like the franchise, like Godzilla and mental health, like some little Avenue there. I would like to take some little vein of uh, some little vein of an idea because, you know, a lot of, a lot of this stuff we have used as a coping mechanism to deal with some very traumatic things in our lifetime. Uh, I know a lot of people who have, who, who use Godzilla as an outlet uh, just to escape from a bad situation. I'll just leave it at that. And I would love for someone, and I'm probably not the person to write that article. Although I have, although I admittedly have had some mental health uh, breakdowns over COVID just, from the isolation and, and all the stress that, that it comes with, I'm still not the right person to do that. Yeah, like, yeah. but I would love for someone to write that article because I think that, you know, mental health is something that should be destigmatized and then framing it within this genre would be a great way to get the message across in my opinion. of course. Yeah. Yeah. I also have one more article I want to highlight. Uh, my favorite monster gets a shout out. King Caesar. <laughs> King Caesar. Yes. yes. Uh, that article was written by our friend Nathan at the Monster, Monster Island Film Vault podcast. And that it, it is it is an interesting read. Like it's it takes a very uh, practical and historical look at the at the history behind King Shiza or King Caesar, however you want to say it, and and the people of Okinawa. Um it's a really interesting read. Yeah, when yeah. we were organizing the first issue, um, where I immediately knew that that was an article I wanted to include. Mm -hmm. uh, that was like one of the first ones I was like, I want that in there because um, Nathan, uh, who wrote the article, he was part of a podcast in the past and they talked about um, the history of Okinawa, of the, uh, of the island, the people, uh, how she's a, how King Caesar was um, a reflection of kind of what was happening in Okinawa and in Japan in the seventies. And it was so fascinating. It was something I had never heard of before. And I've been a Godzilla fan my whole life. I had never heard of that. And so I was like, I, I, I want to include that because that is something that I think is very interesting and more people should hear about that. And so I do want, you know, like uh, we did talk about how the magazine is very community focused, but you know, we do have articles that are just really interesting about uh, exploring the history, the behind the scenes and stuff of the movies. The, the goal of it is always to just celebrate the, the genre. Yeah. Sparks, you had something you want to say? Uh, yeah. I mean, just like with that, with that piece, especially it, you know, having had that in my mind because I read it and then coming to this when we're talking about like not resonating with an American audience, it's so difficult for some of the, especially like the older kaiju films. It could be Godzilla. We could talk, be talking about Ultraman 2, all of that stuff because you can't, you can watch it uh, subtitled and you still will not understand all of the like context that they yeah, are like basing it. a lot of the choices under unless you have like an, a book or an essay in front of you and you're like, Ah, yes. Okay. I get, this is, this is the one, like the Okinawa thing is just going to go completely over your head. You're not going to be able to catch it. And that's, that's another part that just makes it so hard for like, if you could know the cultural relevance, the larger context of what these things are trying to represent, I think it could resonate with Americans more, but it's so hard to do that. And I do think that's part of what MonsterVerse has struggled to do in some examples, specifically King of the Monsters, I would say like, to resonate that to in such a way that a lot of those older films did. We just don't know it. 
Right. And, you know, King of the Monsters was King of the Monsters was very Showa, but without the substance. Right. Like it, yes. it was, that's what, one thing that the Showa era, and and for anyone who's not familiar, the Showa era was from 1954 up to 19. Well, technically 1984. I know Travis will correct me. Uh, or 1989. 1989 was when it ended. But, filmography of for godzilla it, the showa era lasts for, lasts from 1954 to 1975 yeah. so um that is one thing that a lot of people praise that era for is because there seems to be a lot more substance mm -hmm. uh that era other than uh you know as a, as opposed to the heisei era in the 90s and then the millennium era from like 2000 from 99 to 2004 um that is one thing that people praise about the showa era because of it. and i think that that knowing the history behind Okinawa and and that and the historical relevance of that has made me appreciate films like Godzilla versus Mechagodzilla more because of it. And I think yeah. and I wish that people knew all that stuff because I think that if they knew the history and they knew the 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 rich mythology behind that, that I think that they would love the same thing you know we love a lot more than it would just be guys in rubber suits and flamethrowers. So, right. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I think uh, I, I don't know if you guys want, wanted to specifically talk about future articles that we have planned, but um, for the magazine. But the there is one that I do want to do in the future. I uh, have somebody write, which is the history of um, Frankenstein Conquers the World, which is a, a Toho uh, monster movie. Yeah. And there is so much subtext in that movie about people who who are suffering and, and they're called the Hebrew. Kusha, I think, but it, it's specifically the people who were affected by the bombings of Nagasaki and Hiro Hiroshima, and they had radiation burns and radiation poisoning, and uh, so much of that movie it, it deals with the subtext of how that group of people were treated as secondary citizens, lower class citizens in Japan. They were treated horribly. Uh, there was a lot of discrimination against them, and so uh, so there's that really impacted my view of the movie knowing the history and stuff and i we were talking to someone fairly recently about uh the the kind of history and cultural impact of the godzilla franchise and i was i just plainly told him i'm like there's a reason why in america uh radiation breeds superheroes like the hulk and spider-man yeah. and in japan radiation breeds giant monsters um it's well you look yeah. at king of the monsters the ending of king of the monsters is directly like let's nuke godzilla so he's better yeah yeah. So it's like, uh, yeah it's almost like america and japan have different experiences when it comes to nuclear weapons and oh nuclear my. um but yeah it's so so knowing that go knowing that kind of like history and stuff goes a long way in appreciating the films on a new level it's not that you couldn't enjoy them beforehand for just what they were but just yeah. enjoy them on a different level. And so that's one of the things I love that we're doing in the magazine is we have articles that are talking about that kind of stuff too. Yeah, and, and you know, the, I, I know specifically the, the, the issue number two will be very Godzilla versus Kong heavy. Um, yeah. We were hoping that the, the, the release date would still remain the same. So the magazine would come out by month before the film. So now we have to rejigger some things to accommodate for the fact that it's going to come out a month after the film yeah right 
yeah, because they, they decided to throw us a curveball instead of delaying it again. They decided to up it, <laughs> move it up. By I wanted uh, Legendary and Warner Brothers was just like, screw it. We're just going to it's it's been sitting on our hard drive for this long. Just give it to them. Weird, weird to be in the most uh, strange place where you're like, I kind of don't want it to come out this soon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you're, you're messing with our schedule. Stop messing with our schedule. Yeah. Uh, ben, you've been quiet for a bit. Do you have a, do you have a question you want to add? Uh, no, not, not really a question. Just like way earlier when we were talking about trying to get the Godzilla movies, it just flashed me back when I was in, when I was, because I, I became a Godzilla fan when I was in first grade. Because uh, another kid in my class uh, um, knew about him and told me about this creature called Godzilla. I'm like, ooh, Godzilla, what's that? Is that a giant monster that breathes fire? I'm like, oh, that's rad. And mm-hmm. I remember... It's not fire. Going, it's not fire. Well, okay, when you're in first grade, you don't know the difference, Brandon. <laughs> I want to meet the first grader who's like, excuse me, it's actually, it's not fire? Um, and, look, and look, in his defense, there's so much American memorabilia where they turn that breath into fire. Oh, yeah. Right. So the Hanna-Barbera. The <laughs> Hanna-Barbera. This no, is my first... Godzilla thing. Yes, I oh, have. Yeah. It's, it's over in my bookcase. Yes, I've, yeah, I've had that in those other books for so long now. Like I had, yeah, it's they're they're treasures. But yeah, I remember like combing the one section in Blockbuster, the like the tiny little foreign section that had all their Godzilla movies. And every once in a while, they would up their selection. Like the uh, the first Godzilla movie I ever watched was in 1998, although uh, it was Godzilla, Mothra, and the Battle for Earth, and wow. that what became. That was like my introduction to how awesome Godzilla was. So, of course, when the trailers for 98 started coming out, I got super hyped. And that's, even, and that's where my love of Godzilla came in because I would go to Blockbuster. I'd be like, oh, this is different. This is new. This is new. This is awesome. And so I kind of became a kaiju fan, but I was always a Godzilla fan first because Godzilla was the name I drew towards. And even when you're talking about how general audiences don't really know or – like when the King of the Monsters trailer for Godzilla 2019, Godzilla vs. and the King of the Monsters, that I was hyped from the start. And then I went with my best friend, one of his buddies and my girlfriend, and I was telling them all this stuff about Godzilla films I watched, and they haven't seen a lick of them. And when we finally did see the movie, when we were going out, I was like, man, that was awesome. My friends were like, oh, yeah, that, that, that was cool. I'm like, what? Mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah. I'm like. Then you did our, po- then you did our podcast. You're like, that was awesome. And we were like, mm, yeah, that was all right. <laughs> I, mean, I was just hyped because everyone's like, oh yeah, but this, this is like, yeah, but guys, how awesome was the fight between Godzilla and King Ghidorah in Boston? So, yes, yes, but like, again, we are spoiled living in the 21st century where we can have big blockbusters with substance. So when yeah. I got Godzilla. And then I got the new Godzilla movie and it feels like one of those bad old ones. And I'm like, oh no, this is regression. It looks good. But like I, I my lizard brain yeah. isn't just a lizard brain anymore, unfortunately. So yeah. I have a, so I have a, I think we're about wrapping up. Uh, any more questions from, uh, from everyone, from anyone else? I have a joke question. Have you guys considered putting a ramen recipe in each of the quarterlies? Because I work at a sushi restaurant and I, and I'm just saying it could work. Yes, no. we have actually. Yeah. Yes, we have. That has actually come up. Um, in fact, uh, the the magazine, the the uh, content section of the magazine, I designed specifically to look like a menu from a yeah, ramen restaurant and stuff. So yeah, we we definitely wanted to lean into it. So absolutely, I am all for including a ramen recipe in a future issue. And I know Travis and I both we we both love to cook. So like cooking yeah. is something that I really again because of COVID, I learned how to 
cook better than I did before because of COVID. And uh, yeah, like we have discussed putting an actual ramen recipe in each issue of the magazine just for just for shits and giggles. What's you know, your ramen look like? That's all it, I'm saying. It was <laughs> it was my fiance's first question when I mentioned the name. She's like, "Oh, do they have a ramen recipe in it?" I'm like, "No." I serve ramen at my place and I'm seeing like those King Caesar ears, like two pieces of seaweed. Like I'm just making it work. Yeah. Have you, uh, just as a question, have you seen some of the um, food that is available at the Japanese um, that, that it's a, it's a, a, an experience that you can go to, but it has a big uh, Godzilla statue that you can zip line into. Oh, yeah, yeah. They have yeah, yeah. a restaurant there that serves food and all of the food is themed around Godzilla and the monsters. And it's like all designed and everything to look like the monsters. It's really cool. That's cool. Well, my girlfriend was supposed to be in Japan this April, but of course COVID hit and that then right when COVID hit her trip got canceled and I wasn't able to go with her, so I was pretty much telling her all these places I wanted, like the Gundam statue and the Godzilla mm-hmm. statue. So she probably would have saw that. She probably would have went to that restaurant and be like, she would have like texted me and sent me pictures, like, "Babe, you're gonna love this," and I would have been just jealous. So part of me is like, "Cool, she didn't go," and I'm not jealous. But at the same time, it's like, "Damn, she still didn't go." Because I told her, like, what do you want for Japan? I just want Godzilla and Gundam shit. That's all I want. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> that, that would be me. Uh, yeah. Uh, speaking of uh, including things in future issues, I don't know if you want to, as like a, a way of wrapping up our discussion of the magazine, talking about some of the stuff that we have planned for future issues. Yeah. Uh, so I want to have three questions. And that, that's um, sure. uh, three, three final questions uh, to lead into that kind of uh, real quickly. Sparks, did you have one, one last thing you wanted to bring up before we? Oh, no, I don't think so. I, I just think that you guys have put together something really nice. That's all. Thank you. Um, I appreciate it. So, yeah. so, so before, uh, before we, we kind of like wrap up, you talk about future issues coming. Uh, what, what are you, uh, what, what can we expect in future issues of the quarterly? Well, um, like Michael had said earlier, the, the second issue is going to be very Godzilla versus Kong heavy because mm-hmm. uh, that's the tentpole project. So uh, like uh, issue two is going to be built around that as the theme, but um, we're going to still have the like Kaiju science. Um, the, the Kaiju science article that is going to be written is about uh, Skull Island and like the ecology of Skull Island. Oh which is really interesting. We have a friend who is an ecologist uh, by trade, and he's going to write that article. Um, nice. We've got the history of uh, Godzilla and Kong. And they're like, there were, there were other movies that were planned back in the day of them of a rematch, but never came to fruition. And so we're going to talk about the history of that. Uh, one of the things I'm really proud of for the next issue is uh, in the community section, we've got an open letter from Kaiju Hime, who we've talked about before because she was in our, um, our Artist Alley section for the first issue. But we wanted to do an open letter to female fans of giant monster movies. And the, and the open letter, the article is going to be called To the Girls Who Love Monsters. And it is a letter just telling it's, it's kind of letting the female fans know that we recognize that you are there. We respect you and we want you to be a part of the fandom and have a voice because a lot of times, you know, the male voices can kind of drown out the, the smaller, you know, uh, group of female fans, but they're, they love the stuff just as much as we do. And sometimes, you know, 
they don't get to be heard as often. So we wanted to give them, uh, give, you know, some of these female fans a place to express their love for these things. Um, issue three, uh, we've got a great article. Um, uh, I, I think it's an issue three. I might've bumped it up because like I said, things are in flux right now because of the schedule change, but we have one that's by Angela Hughes, who is writing about her experience growing up and how the reason her and her brother are so close is because of their bond over giant monster movies. Because nice. when they were kids, they didn't really have much in common, but they loved giant monster movies. Both of them did. And so they bonded over that. And so we wanted to share that. And then we also have a, uh, a another uh, article in issue four, which is about the giant Peking man. Mm. which is a Hong Kong giant monster movie. And uh, we have someone from Hong Kong that is actually writing that article. And he said one of the set pieces, one of the, or not set pieces, but one of the buildings that serves as a backdrop for that movie was recently demolished. So there's a little bit of history there involved in that. So there's, you know, he's going to talk about that. And it's one of those ones that's kind of flies under people's radar. So we wanted to, like that and plus we have brandon's article about gamera uh <laughs> so uh and, and everything because we want to celebrate gamera wish there was more gamera stuff that, to talk about but hey you know so yeah definitely uh we definitely wish there was more gamera stuff i mean we're gonna have future issues that are dedicated strictly to like ultraman and henshin heroes uh i know that i plan on doing a three-part series on my journey through the power rangers franchise because mm. Back in May, I got the crazy notion to sit through all 900 and some episodes of the Power Rangers franchise. Uh, so far, I made it to Dino Thunder. And oh, I've had a wow. lot of fun. It's brought back a lot of good memories uh, from my childhood. And I think, you know, 90% of it is nostalgia. Like, I want to talk about my nostalgia for the franchise. But a lot of it is me seeing some of this resurgence of Power Rangers stuff lately with Hasbro kind of reigniting the series through the toys and, and these different and the comic books, because Travis talks about comic books. I'm not a huge comic book fan. I'm getting into more comic books. And so I've started with the Power Rangers franchise as far from the Boom comic book series. Uh, that felt that felt like a really good barrier to entry for me to start reading Our comic books. We just finished, well, not just, but our latest series on the Fickner Book Club, which is another spinoff we have on YouTube, uh, was about the initial run of the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers from Boom Studios. Oh, nice. Yeah, it's great books. I've read them all. They're they're really great. And then, Travis, uh, have, you, have you checked out Ultraman yet? Uh, yes. The Ultraman comic book? Yes. 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 Yeah. Uh, that's that my cool. first exposure to anything Ultraman, and I think really? it's rad. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Okay. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's great it's a great uh it's it's really well done and then we've got another uh ultraman series that's coming out um as a sequel to that mm -hmm. uh oh, wow. which I think the trials of ultraman i think is yeah. what they're calling it and that's coming out from marvel so uh and i uh we we actually know some of the artists and stuff that are working on that so yeah it's it's gonna be a lot of fun yeah, it right is. On. And then I think probably the last thing i last probably future article or issue or last future article that probably want to mention is just there's this, this whole debate between streaming versus going to the theater because you know i'm a big proponent of i don't want the theater experience to go away yeah. but i understand why there's this huge focus on streaming right now so i would like we want to find 
two people to write two articles in tandem or write the same article with from two different perspectives. One that's a big advocate for theaters, one that's a big advocate for streaming and see where those things overlap. So all right, say no more. I'll start right now. No, I'm kidding. Okay. Go for it. <laughs> yeah, and, and really, that was a way of um, we don't want to minimize that. Yes, it, this we are still in the middle of a pandemic, and going out and going to the theater is still a risk that you know to to your health, and you don't want don't want to put yourself in any kind of risk. But if you are able to go to the theater, what is your experience like? versus what is your experience like when you're sitting at home watching the mo the same right. movie and so that's why we wanted to kind of highlight that yeah i think that's that's super important too is it, i think what gets really lost in that conversation too uh is talking in film studies classes just this last semester while we've been dealing with the pandemic is just how many people are like oh well you'll just you know it, it can go to streaming and how much of America still doesn't have good enough internet for that to be a viable option. Yeah. Like that's, that's still just leaving out tons of people because yeah. they live in urbanized, uh, overpopulated areas. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay. And then the, uh, most important <laughs> question I think I'll ever ask you guys, uh, what's your favorite Godzilla movie? <laughs> it changes. It fluctuates. So, uh, lately I have been a big, proponent of Godzilla versus Mechagodzilla from 74. Mm -hmm. To me in this moment that is the perfect Godzilla movie because you've got good you've got decent human characters, you've got a good you got a good story, you got some really great antagonists. Um you've got a very interesting introduction to a brand new kaiju in in Mechagod or Mech in Mechagodzilla. It's iconic at this point. Like for me right now it's Godzilla versus Mechagodzilla from 74. Okay. Yeah. My number one never changes my, now the rest of them in the list of favorites always fluctuate, but my number one never fluctuates and it hasn't fluctuated in 20 years. Uh, and that's Godzilla 2000. Nice. Uh, because it was the first Godzilla movie I saw in theaters. Oh. Uh, you know, as, and, and, and I've been a huge fan of, of Godzilla since I was a little bitty kid. So I have, I knew Godzilla. I grew up loving Godzilla. And that movie came out. I was about 11 years old when that movie came out here in the States and getting to go to the theater and see a real Godzilla movie was mm -hmm. just something that I could never, ever have imagined that I would be able to do. And so getting to see that. And so it has always been my number one favorite. It's still it's comfort food for me. I just love putting it on. Uh, but one that I am surprised recently and a lot of, fans a lot of you know, diehard fans including michael uh laugh at me because i love it so much is uh godzilla versus mothra battle for earth the one that ben mentioned earlier because it's it's one it's one that is very i i associate it with like it's junk food it's more like cotton candy it's mm -hmm. very sweet it's very harmless and there's nothing really challenging about it. It doesn't really challenge the viewer in any kind of way. But it's such a fun movie to watch. And I just right. love watching it. I'm with you. I love, I love all those Heisei movies. Yeah. Yeah. The Heisei ones are great. Yeah. Like, they're just, they're not the best movies. And yes, I understand. They're never going to be as impactful as ones that have themes like GMK and other ones like that. But man, they are so much fun to watch. I agree. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, you know, it's it's not my favorite of the Heisei era. I'm not a big Heisei era fan anyway. I mean, 
uh, Biollante is probably or even Godzilla versus King Ghidorah from 91 is mm-hmm. probably my favorite of the Heisei era uh, with Destroya being close because yeah. it was the end of an era for there. But uh, I'm sure. more white eyes is so spooky. Oh, right. Yeah. yeah. But I'm more Showa and uh, Millennium than I am probably Heisei. Like I'll watch the Heisei movies. Travis is right. It's it's junk food. It's the Heisei era has very little substance. And I know that sounds terrible. It sounds very gatekeepery, doesn't it? But it, the Heisei era does have very little substance to a degree. And it's just, but they are fun movies. They are watchable. Like I'll so, put it on when I'm cleaning house or something, but. I'm the opposite. I go, I love the Heisei era films more than any other. That more really? Like, I uh, mean, each their own. I won't say, you're, you might be wrong, but that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Cause I remember, cause one, cause I like Godzilla um, versus Mechagodzilla in 1974, but I also deeply, this is the first movie and funny enough, it's a Godzilla movie that I watched and I remember disliking with a passion. That's Godzilla's revenge. Oh, um, <laughs> that's not, that that is not a fair standard to judge the Showa era by. I know it's not, not. Showa era. Right. Film, but remember going to block, but remember, I was a wee little lad. So, whenever I saw box art that reminded me of those, I'm like, mm, no, I'm gonna go watch Godzilla versus Biolante, Godzilla versus Space Godzilla, and Godzilla versus Destroya. Listen, yeah. guys, no, that's none what, of them that's what we grew up with early in in our in the 90s and things because or the early 2000s because you know the all the Showa era films didn't quite make it over here uh yeah. in time so i understand why you love the heisei film heisei films too um but godzilla's but but sparks is right godzilla's revenge is not a good benchmark for the showa era although recently it's really strange because movies like Gamera the Super Monster and or Super Monster Gamera and Godzilla's Revenge have been getting sort of a reevaluation by the fans. I've base. noticed that too. Yeah, a lot of fans have come out and been like, "Hey, these movies are better than you might have remembered it's, or it's think." People, people. It's 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 generational. It happens with every bad it's not, movie. It's not necessarily it's not necessarily that which I find so fascinating. It's it's a Gamera Super Monster maybe, but Godzilla's <laughs> Revenge has been reevaluated on a cultural level. Looking right. like what did this what the original uh, the original subs for this the what the cultural impact of the film what it meant for the culture at the time is being reevaluated not necessarily that film there, right. there is yeah. a, you're right because there is a really important point that specifically the dub that America did when they first did Godzilla's Revenge is part of the problem of why that's not good yeah. Yeah. Two probably why i haven't gone back to rewatch it in 20 plus years it is very very interesting seeing like people talking like godzilla's revenge through the lens of the original japanese language uh, and release and being like actually we've we messed this movie up really bad yeah yeah i i haven't been enjoying i still it's still my least favorite probably of all the godzilla movies but um but i i have been enjoying seeing people discuss like and reevaluate it so uh, uh one of our friends uh david from the kaiju apostle podcast he's one that's a big proponent of that uh of that movie because he just yeah he he was one who reevaluated it that way yeah um all right so you guys got a magazine where can you find the magazine well uh we can you can all find the magazine at kaijuramen.com that's our website that is going to be where we're going to have it for sale we haven't put it up for sale on the website yet because we're giving our the people who support us on kickstarter kind of a a, a free reign of they're getting it exclusively for a while before we actually start selling it to uh the wider 
public, but once it is for sale, every issue will be for sale on that website. Um, information about the magazine will be on there. You can look it up and see uh, all about us, all about where the magazine came from, the ideas, and uh, our podcast and stuff is also listed on there. So really everything that anybody wants to know about us is on kaijuramen.com. Kaijuramanmagazine.com. Sorry. <laughs> and we will make sure to have all those links in, below where they can find your podcast, where they can find the magazine, where they can find everything. Um, talk about, uh, all that, all that jazz. Um, okay, I think that's, that's everything. Thank you guys so much. This was really great. Yeah, Absolutely. thanks for having us on. Pleasure. Good hanging out with you guys. Hopefully we'll do it yeah, again soon. Some giant monsters in depth very often, as much as I should. So thank you, thank you for making a cool magazine so we can talk about it. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I've, I enjoy just having these conversations because I've listened to y'all show before and, and giant monsters does not come up as often. And I wish that it would. So I, I'm happy to be a part of this conversation. It's the, the problem of having such a generalized show is that we, yeah, right. you know, yeah. 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 Nerd things, nerd things are, is big and there's so many things. I mean, I'm a person who's a fan of Star Trek, Star Wars, Transformers, you know, comic books, all that stuff too. So I understand. Having a wide casting a wide net. <laughs> well, Godzilla Singular Point is coming, so so maybe we'll talk more about Godzilla when that come when that comes around. Oh, yeah. looking forward to that one too. That would be great. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, so you, where can they find you uh, individually on Twitter and Instagram and things like that? Then we'll go ahead, Travis. Um, you can follow uh, at Kaiju Weekly on Twitter. Um, I'm the one who usually runs that. Um, I'm the one who runs that that. Uh, for us so uh it's mostly just weird memes that i come up with in the middle of the night when i <laughs> um but yeah so that's that's uh me on twitter uh i do have a, a personal twitter too that's at captain travis 55 but but i'm not on there as much as i am on the kaiju weekly one uh and then uh yeah on instagram we're kaiju weekly pod i think is that what it is, Michael? Yeah. You're on Instagram more than I am. Yeah, I'm on. Yeah, I I manage the Instagram more than you do. With, uh, but it's yeah, it's Kaiju Weekly Pod on Instagram. Yeah, and so that's that's where you can follow uh the podcast and uh, our updates on that. And then Michael, you have. Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at uh, Kaiju Groupie Pod. Uh, that's that's where I'm hanging out most of the time, uh, or the Kaiju Groupie on Instagram. So if you like toy pictures, follow me on Instagram. Uh, but other than that, those are the only two places you can find. Oh, I forget. I almost forget all the time. The Kaiju Groupie Facebook group uh, that I started with a few friends of mine that's uh, pretty big. It's, it's, it's a modest size, like 1,500 members so far. Uh, it's just a good place to hang out with a, and very little toxicity as far as Facebook groups go. Good. Uh, we good. try to, we try to uh, run a tight ship there. Like we don't let people, we don't let assholes come in and, and try to dictate terms. We're in, in that Facebook group. So we, we boot them out as, as promptly as we can. Um, but yeah, it's a great group of great group of guys. If you want a Facebook group to go hang out and talk about giant monsters in Kaiser group, Facebook group. Um, and other than that, Twitter, Instagram, that's really all, that's really all you need to know about me. Uh, Travis and I realized that we knew each other from a Facebook group. 
way yeah. long ago. <laughs> yeah, I, I was like, when you, because I, I, you had sent me the article, uh, and I was like, uh, yeah, the name didn't really ring a bell. But then once you invited me on here on the podcast, I'm like, hey, nerds, I, I know that podcast. <laughs> I was like, oh yeah, because we're part of the same Facebook group. That was, <laughs> that was a funny realization. Be like, wait, I remember this podcast anyway. Yeah. <laughs> um. Okay, you can find us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all at Victor Podcast. Uh, if you're following this channel, uh, following uh, our audio stuff, you know where, where you can find us. Make sure to like this video. Make sure to subscribe to this channel. Make sure to subscribe to their podcasts. And you can find me on BT McClure on Instagram and Twitter. Sparks, where they can find you. Uh, they can find me agreeing that Clifford is not a kaiju at Sparks Witty on Instagram and Twitter. <laughs> uh, Ryan? You can find me... Uh, Fighting to final wars to be the best Godzilla movie at DJ Tony Stark. <laughs> oh, that's those are fighting words right there. <laughs> uh, ben, you can find me dying on the hill that the Hasty film are awesome at Ben Mega Twenty Seven on Instagram and Twitter. <laughs> We're all just dying on the wrong hills today. Uh, <laughs> no, thank uh, you. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Uh, until next time, guys. Stay faithful. So let's uh, so let's just get right into it. I'll introduce you guys, and then we'll be off to the races, as it were. All right, let's uh, rock before, and roll. Before we get started officially, though, should I make my bed in the background? I just noticed that it's not me. <laughs> no, no, it's fine. Don't worry. About okay. it. We are we are maybe the least professional podcast on the planet. <laughs> I'm just in my room, like I got shit you can't see. Don't worry, you're fine. You're great. Oh, same. Uh, like I got uh, where I've been moving house. I got crap all around me. So yeah, I'm like, gonna write that. You're not gonna see. All you're gonna see is the wall behind my desk. So yeah, least professional podcast on the internet is our new logo.